Hello, beautiful people. You are listening to the Inside Job Podcast with Mikkel Brands Oliver. The Inside Job Podcast will share light, love, and lessons to support you in loving and valuing yourself from the inside out. I am so glad you're here. Welcome to episode six of the Inside Job Podcast. Thank you for listening and for your desire to grow in your journey of being emotionally, psychologically, and spiritually well. I am Mikkel Brands Oliver, and I'm growing right along with you. Every Monday for the next four weeks of season one of the Inside Job Podcast, I will share light, love, and lessons to help us unearth self-love from the inside out. Please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review the Inside Job Podcast. I would greatly appreciate it. And I'd love to connect with you personally to hear how you're applying what you've learned and how we can continue to grow together. Details on the Inside Job Kinship, which are free virtual spaces for us to connect and grow, April through June 2021, coming soon. Downloads from all episodes of the Inside Job Podcast can be accessed at www.striveforimpact.com backslash podcast. That's strive for F-O-R, impact, M-P-A-C-T dot com backslash podcast. No I in impact. If you would like a specific download for your growth, let me know and it shall be yours. Without further ado, Get your mind and heart in reflect mode, starting with a mindset check-in, which is a temperature check of your heart, and your heart is the nucleus of your entire being that drives your mind, thoughts, and behaviors. Proverbs 3, 5-6 through 6 states, Trust in and rely confidently on the Lord with all your heart, and do not rely on your own insight or understanding. In all your ways, Know and acknowledge and recognize him and he will make your path straight and smooth, removing obstacles that block your way. The mindset check-in for episode six is, what's one of the best things or best qualities about being you? Think about this from your own perspective, not what others would say, But what do you believe is one of the best things or best qualities about being you? There are many, but just think of one for this check-in. One of the best things about being Mikkel is I'm a work in progress. More specifically, I am God's work in progress. I'm in a constant state of growing from who I was, who I am, and who God has called me to be. Some days it's illuminating and empowering and I can feel roots taking place deep within my soul where my intimacy with God, myself, and others, and nature, and my purpose feels aligned. And it feels aligned to something greater than I can imagine or articulate. And some days, like this weekend, (laughs) 
I can feel and see residue of mistrust in my relationship with God. I can see and feel critique and disbelief in my relationship with self. On some days, the harbored feelings of resentment, negativity, and disconnection in my heart towards other people come out in my attitude and in my words. And regardless of where I fall on the growth and progress spectrum, one thing I am certain of from experiencing it in my own journey is best articulated in Philippians 1.6. I am confident that the creator who has begun such a great work among you will not stop in mid-design, but will keep perfecting you until the day Jesus, the anointed, our liberating king returns to redeem the world. The best thing about being me, one of the best things about being me, is that I am a work in progress. This week, reflect on one of the best things about being you, or one of the best qualities that you possess. Write or audio record your thoughts, share them with someone, Ask them the same question and affirm and agree with what they share about themselves. The topic for episode six is drum roll, please. Return on investment. What's your worth? I am talking to my heart out loud, up close and personal on this one. This episode is for me right now. I pray it is for you too. Do you know how valuable you are? Do you realize your worth and what it's rooted in? I often wonder if we truly understand how precious we are. How uniquely designed and created we are and the favorable outcomes God planned for our lives before we were even born. Self-love is about receiving. Receiving and accepting God's love, which is a gift that you don't earn, growing in his love with your relationship with him, flowing in his love with your relationship with yourself, and giving of his love in your relationship with others and the world around you. Our relationship with God is the key to our relationship with ourself. It's paramount. Our relationship with God is the skin-to-skin nurturing of our relationship with self. If you're not familiar with the term skin-to-skin, especially in the way I just used it, skin-to-skin Contact refers to the direct contact of a newborn baby being dried and placed on its mother's bare chest after birth. Skin-to-skin contact immediately after birth and beyond for a baby has been scientifically proven to help babies adjust to life outside of the womb and also supports parents in nursing and developing close, loving relationships with their babies. Our relationship with God is skin-to-skin nurturing for our relationship with self, with others, 
and the world around us. One of my favorite scriptures is Jeremiah 29, 11, which reads, For I know the plans and thoughts that I have for you, says the Lord, plans for peace and well-being and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Another version reads, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Eternal, plans for peace, not evil, to give you a future and hope. Never forget that. There are many temporary and often unfulfilling ways in which we attempt to derive validation, value, and confirmation that gives the feeling and appearance of self-worth and value. Our world system, and by this, I mean the dominant culture of principles, convictions, and ideology that the world operates in socially, politically, economically, institutionally. Essentially, when I say world system, I'm talking about the world's rule book and policies that subscribe value and worth based on physical and status attributes. Example of physical attributes would be body type, racial identity, ability level, gender, dot, dot, dot. Status attributes would be socioeconomic, education, career, connections, relationship status, material possessions, religion, dot, dot, dot. And physical and status attributes on their own aren't bad, evil, or wrong. I mean, our gifts, talents, and influence, and our overall impact on the world and one another is often ushered through physical and status attributes. But the place of tension and concern that I want us to zero in on is how we use, view, ascribe, and determine the worthiness and value of ourselves and others and God based on a hierarchy of physical attributes and status and the devastating consequences this has had and continues to have on generations of humanity and our connection with God. Engaging with the world around us is a beautiful privilege. Engaging with the world confident and assured in your relationship with God and continually developing and living in his presence within you, which is truly where your value resides, which is in love, in character, in integrity, in the fruits of the spirit. Ephesians 5, 22 through 23 describes the fruits of the spirit as such. But the fruit of the spirit, the result of his presence within us is love, unselfish concern for others, joy, inner peace, patience, not the ability to wait, but how we act while waiting, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, against such there is no law. Engaging with the world from this perspective is freedom, 
is abundance, is the articulation of true worth and value. And as we journey through life, we're constantly toggling between God's plans and thoughts towards us that we are loved, valuable, precious, and significant. 1 Peter 2.9, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. We toggle between God's thoughts towards us and the world system plans and thoughts towards us. That's based on things that fade, based on supply and demand, based on things that can be manufactured and bought, based on a design to advance few and oppress many. The toggling between our relationship with God and our relationship with the world dilutes our ability to know our worth, believe in our value, and receive a return on God's investment. Return on investment, ROI, evaluates the profitability and efficiency of an investment. God has put bountiful characteristics, qualities, attributes, and gifting in each of us. Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship, his own masterwork, a work of art, created in Christ Jesus, reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, ready to be used for good works, which God prepared for us beforehand, taking paths which he set so that we would walk in them, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us. Our entire formation, y'all, was designed in value because our creator is divine and invaluable. Your value, our value, Mikkel, your value is not from the world system of worthiness. Your value is in God and who he created you to be. There is nothing in the world system of hierarchy and worth that makes you any more or less valuable and worthy. You are a masterpiece as is. Are there decisions we make that depreciate our value? Yes. Are there actions that we take that vandalize our value? Yes. Are there things we believe that discount our value? Yep. Have the ways others responded, reacted, and engaged with us made us question our value? Yes. Do we live in a world, in a community, in a family, in a household perhaps, that esteems certain qualities as more valuable than others with specific structures, systems, and practices that uphold who and what is valuable and worthy? Yeah. Does any of that trump how God designed us, sees us, and has planned for us? No. God will always get his return on investment. When we choose to operate and obey the world system of worthiness, 
our ROI to God is void and negative from the original ROI we were created to bring forth. I believe I told y'all in a previous episode that David is my favorite person in the Bible. David's life and story exemplify the profoundness of God and the imperfection of humans that is relatable across many contexts for me personally. And David's story unfolds from 1 Samuel 16 to 1 Kings 2. David is the only person in scripture who is referred to as a man after God's own heart. He was the second king of Israel, had a deeply devout faith and desire to do God's will, wrote beautiful praises to God in much of the book of Psalms, had a love and reverence for God's word and commandments, was quick to repent and ask God for forgiveness, and he was a fierce warrior. David's life was full of the highest highs and the lowest lows. And just from that bullet of resume points and his legacy points, there are many things that we could extract and say, wow, that definitely valuable. Oh, that definitely makes him valuable. That probably made him worthy. But the man after God's own heart as scripture refers to David twice, also harbored vengefulness, rage, lust, deception, murder, and lies in his heart. Not only is the heart central to David's success and failure, it's the very asset that God saw as valuable and the reason why David was used by God and yielded significant return. I'll give you the Cliff Notes version on the opening of David's story, and you can read 1 Samuel 16, 1 through 13 for the full story or a refresher. All right, so God anointed Saul as the first king of Israel, and there's a whole backstory of how this came to be based on fear, mistrusting God in comparison. And God anointed Saul through the prophet Samuel. Side note, Samuel's story, specifically the story of his mother Hannah, is a powerful story of prayer, faith, and trust. Check it out, 1 Samuel 1 through 2. All right, so God anointed Saul as the first king of Israel through the prophet Samuel. And Saul, y'all, was human, just like us, just like David, human, just like us. And Saul toggled between God's plan for his life and the world system. And Saul's judge, his saboteur, and his parasitic thought life strong-armed his purpose and promise, leading him to sinful and prideful actions. God chose Saul and Saul rejected himself and therefore rejected God in his heart first, then his mind, and in everything else after. So Saul's life wasn't the return on investment God needed to fulfill his will. So God chose a new king for Israel and he had his trusty partner and purpose, Samuel, back on assignment. 
And that even took a little time because Samuel was in his feelings about Saul's failure to fulfill God's plan and purpose for his life and for God's people. And Samuel was also fearful of what Saul would do if he found out Samuel was on a new king mission. Saul was still in place as the king of Israel when Samuel embarked on the mission to anoint a new king of Israel. So he was fearful of what would happen if Saul got wind of that. So God gets Samuel straight, gets him together, tells him the plan for anointing the new king and sends Samuel to Bethlehem with a sacrifice and a plan to anoint the new king of Israel. Samuel goes to Bethlehem with the cow he has brought with him to sacrifice and he invites a man named Jesse to the sacrifice. Now, Jesse had eight sons, handsome, nice looking boys. Perfect, right? Lots of options. Samuel can get in there, ID the next king, get up out of there, get a new king in position, move things in the right direction. So Samuel sees Jesse's oldest son, Eliab, and was like, jackpot, this is a one. Eliab is the oldest status. He's handsome, physical attributes. And in Samuel's mind, this is the one. And what God says next to Samuel is the through line to David's story, Jesus's life, God's character, and the epicenter of our worth, value, and relationship with God, ourselves, and others. 1 Samuel 16, 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or at the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. The world system, the world's playbook, the world's hierarchy looks at appearance and status to determine worthiness and value. God looks at the heart to determine worthiness and value. So Jesse presents seven of his sons to Samuel and not one of them was who God had chosen for this assignment to be the new king of Israel. So Samuel told Jesse, the Lord hasn't chosen any of them. Are, are all your sons here? So he was basically asking Jesse, is, is this it? Jesse tells Samuel, there is, there is one more son, my youngest boy, who was out tending the sheep. The youngest boy was on assignment while his brothers were auditioning. So they send for Jesse's youngest son. And David enters. And as soon as David is in Samuel's sight, God tells Samuel, arise, anoint him, for this is he. David embodied the heart value God needed for his plan and purpose. David was anointed king and went through 22 years of an incredible journey, a tumultuous journey of preparation and a deepened relationship with God before he actually assumed the role of king 
of Israel. Don't despise your season of preparation, y'all. Wherever you are in your season of preparation, it is purposeful. There's meaning. There's lessons. You are where you are supposed to be in your season of preparation for such a time as this and for what lies ahead for you. Don't despise your preparation. Our love and relationship with God begins in our heart. The nucleus of our entire being, mind, thoughts, and behaviors. And our relationship with God solidifies our genuine value and worth in him, within ourselves, and with others and the world around us. What you may use, what the world system may use to disqualify and discount your value, God does not use. What we may use, what the world may use to assign value and worthiness, God does not use. God is the creator of all things, the beginning and the end. God sees your value, my value, our value by looking at the heart, the nucleus of our entire being, our mind, our thoughts, and behaviors. It is the heart, the place where our love for God and our relationship with God flows that solidifies our genuine value and worth in him our value and worth within ourselves and our value and worth with others and the world around us. The difference between knowing your worth and value in God and assigning your worth and value based on the world's system and hierarchies or basing your worth on what others feel or think or believe about you is liberation and bondage. We can never be fulfilled on that which is not part of our original design and creation. To love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our mind. And y'all, it is a journey, ongoing, ever-evolving, a full body, mind, spirit, and heart process that is transformative and beautiful. And your journey and my journey, it's uniquely designated for us. Your journey is for you. My journey is for me. Your friend's journey is for them. Your sister's journey is for her. Your spouse's journey is for them. The person who you are dating and getting to know, their journey is for them. Your boss's journey is for them. Your colleague's journey is uniquely for them. It's important that we don't compare journeys because it's a unique experience. We can connect on journeys. We can partner through our journeys. We can grow in our journeys. But comparison of journey is a futile attempt. And it breeds false sense of value, false sense of worth, skewed sense of your own value, skewed sense of your own worth. 
your value, my value, our value, and worth is found in God. And there's one suggestion, plus the collection of keys from episode one through five, that I have to help us recalibrate our value and worthiness from within. It is an inside job. And that suggestion is to get into the word of God consistently. Y'all, the word of God are seeds that take root in our heart and equipped us with strength, power, wisdom, and love. During a season of my life when I was toggling heavily, and I mean heavily, in the world system. And if I'm real with y'all and real with myself, it wasn't just toggling heavily. I was full-time employed and team member of the year in the world system of how I should live, what my value was, what my actions and behaviors were based on. And the, the, the shift for me and recalibrating my value system and my worthiness in God originated during the almost three years I spent involved in women's ministries at First Baptist Church of Glen Arden. It was my first experience reading, studying, and memorizing the Word of God individually and collectively in community. It was catalytic to my journey. And I recently began studying the Word of God meaning reading scripture, defining terms, cross-referencing scriptures, synthesizing scriptures, and making connections between my life and the direction and guidance that the word speaks to me. And I'm growing in this, and there's a lot that I don't know, and there is a lot that I have learned. So if you have a morning rhythm or dedicated time daily or weekly where you read the word, try writing and making meaning of what you read. You can use the SOAP method if you're familiar with the SOAP method. If you're not familiar with the SOAP method, SOAP stands for scripture, observation, application, and prayer. So the S, scripture. You physically write out the scripture that you're studying, scripture that you feel is on your heart, something that you've heard, a scripture that maybe I've shared from the Inside Job podcast. And you'll be amazed what God can reveal to you by just taking the time to slow down and write out what you're actually reading. The O is for observation. What do you see in the verse? Who's the audience? Is there a repetition of words? What words stand out to you? You're taking time to really observe the word of God, not just reading it or skimming it. You're letting, you're letting it soak in. Another way to describe it is you're receiving the word of God. A is for application. What is God saying to you through the word? How can you apply what you're reading to your own life? What changes, where, where, where do you feel a sense of correction? What changes do, should you make? Is there any action that you need to take? And P for prayer, pray God's word back to him. If he's revealed something to you during your time in the word, pray it back. Confess 
any areas of sin in your life to him, repent to him. Lord, your word says that you have a plan to prosper me in one that is not of evil. Pray God's word back to him. Studying God's word like this, you could do it for as long as you want. It could be as short of time as you need to receive and let the word take root in you. If reading the word is new or an infrequent activity for you, something else you can do is consider teaming up with a close friend or family member or loved one to read and study together. You can soap together or you can openly discuss specific scriptures together. You can do a study of a particular book of the Bible, story of the Bible, whatever feels right for you and those involved. There are study books available online that could serve as a great guide to begin reading, studying, and discussing the word in community. You might want to think about joining a small group at your church or a church that you're interested in or other forms of community groups that aren't church-based that are available online could serve as a good start or a fresh renewal for you in getting in the word more consistently. I have a prayer partner, shout out to Michael and her beautiful family of five, who I pray with every Friday night. We started five months ago and it's been an absolute blessing and space of healing, interceding, praise, accountability, intimacy, and growth for both of us. God has answered specific prayers. Michael and I have prayed for one another and for others. She and I have not only grown closer to God individually and collectively, but our friendship has developed into a divinely aligned relationship for the exact season of life we're both in. And I've known her for years and we've never been this close before. Including community or a partner and however you choose to go deeper in God's word will yield a significant return on investment in your life and their life and the lives of everyone connected to you. This week, I encourage you to do three things. One, reflect on the mindset check-in. What's one of the best things about being you? May you be reminded of your value as you reflect, share with someone, and ask them the same question. Two, get into God's word. In the words of Arthur Ashe, start where you are, use what you have, do what you can. And lastly, return next week for another episode of the Inside Job Podcast. proud of you. I believe in you and I would love to hear from you. You can connect with me at Mikkel at striveforimpact.com. That's Mikkel, M-I-K-E-L at strive for, F-O-R, impact, M-P-A-C-T.com. No I in impact. Be sure to rate the Inside Job podcast, leave a review, subscribe, and share. I love you. Keep going. 